Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our oath. oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse seen above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we, of course, mean answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. talking about chapters 6 through 12 today, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And minute markers 57, 40 through 125? Yeah, 124? one 124-ish. Yes, 124. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Joey. Oh, Joey, there's... <laughs> There's such a wealth of horses for us this time. So many horses. It's interesting because we kind of, ex- we uh, flip-flopped. It's the perfect inverse of last time where we had very few horses in the books and um, just so many fucking horses in the movie. And this time we have way more book horses than we do yes. horses. Yeah. Although I will say the horses we get in the movie, we see way more of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more, there's more repeat a, a, horse. A couple select horses. A, yes. f- a few so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Shadow Facts. Select horses. <laughs> Fine horses for, yep. for the finest purveyors. Indeed. Um, so, uh, the, the weird thing about this chunk of the book and movie is that the book has a whole section that the movie completely skips yeah we got our first that great is, adaptation divide yes that is the whole old forest bit with tom bombadil <sighs> if you've never read the book and only seen the movies you don't even know this dude exists and this is this is where our podcast house is divided because i don't want to say who but like one of us is pro <laughs> bombadil and the other is right <laughs> wow um well before we get there yes before we rehash we will, this old but fight before we get there mm-hmm. i mean we haven't even hashed it the first time really a first time hash we have brie wait does brie no sorry they get to brie after the old forest yeah yeah brie is much later so they start yeah, off yeah, they yeah, start yeah. off yeah. at um <clears throat> crick hollow which is the the house outside of Hobbiton that Frodo purchases to hide his living. Yes. 
So we yes, are still which is in like Shire. they they have crossed the ferry. They have crossed the way they the do ferry. in the movie. Yes. But that does not bring them directly to Bree. That brings them to the house that Frodo was going to move into. Yes. Supposedly. Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. And um because we have so many more horses horse mentions um in the book this time, which by the way, I do want to talk for just a moment about our like curricula for what we're counting as a horse reference um yeah every time so at least in my annotations i'm doing every time a horse is mentioned um an apparatus that implies the existence of a horse is mentioned like a carriage like a carriage or... or a cart right and then horses in the abstract so like depictions of horses like on the prancing pony sign for instance when we get to brie yes i'm also counting like hoof beats yeah mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. horse sounds yes. and then sometimes it just horse says fully. riders or horsemen yes without saying horses i will say specifically, I, don't, and I don't know that i marked every instance where they say a black rider just because they say that a lot in reference to the race but yeah it's in in moments where it feels like they're actually talking about them on horses moving and not just them like being present in a scary way um yeah that's yeah so there are 60 by my count 62 not specific instances, but uh, chunks that mention a horse. So some of those instances are like, you know, several sentences within a paragraph all describing the same action on a horse or the same horse um, compared to yeah. less than 10 in the last section. So significant horse increase, which moi, love to see it. Love to see it. Delicious yeah. food for us. It's great. Lots, lots of horses. Um, so I just want to flip to the, so they, they enter the old forest and, mm-hmm. um, they're all spooked by it. The old forest, like there are a lot of rumors about it, moving trees, like a lot of, a lot of weird shit. Mary is sort of more familiar with it than the others because he's done more traveling cause he's like a dang Bucklander or whatever. Yeah. Book Mary is so competent. And, like, adult and mature. He's so competent and, like, wise and mature yeah. and just amazing. Yeah, so they set out on the ponies. And, and the first, like, real description we get of these ponies is in their shed. They found the ponies, sturdy little beasts of the kind loved by hobbits, not speedy, but good for a long day's work. Boy, I just relate to that, you know? I am also not speedy. <laughs> But I am good for a long day's work, you know? Are you? Okay. See, I feel like I'm not good for a long day's work. <laughs> but you but, so like, but you are a sturdy little beast beloved by hobbits. So. Okay. That's true. Uh, there are five of them. Four for them to ride and one additional to carry baggage. And they head into the woods and shit's a little weird. Oh, to have a pony to carry my baggage. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the woods... The trees... The woods do get weird. Um, I thought kind of an ongoing theme throughout this chunk of the book, and something that I didn't necessarily remember very well from my past reads, is like how uh, effective a horror writer he is, especially 
like when he uses the natural environment to invoke fear. Yeah. Dude can write a good spooky yeah, scene. Yeah, good. Yeah. So they eventually um, end up in this place. There are many places, uh, yes. Yes, they're in a place <laughs> um, in the woods. And suddenly they're all really hot and there are flies and they get super sleepy in the shade mm-hmm. and they are just like all falling asleep um and frodo kind of like resists it for a moment but then like straddles this like root or branch going out over the water and like starts to fall asleep and sam actually says uh he he's worried he says there's more behind this than sun and warm air he muttered to himself i don't like this great big tree i don't trust it hark at it singing about sleep now this won't do at all. <laughs> and he like tries to get out of the clearing and then here's a splash and it's Frodo who's fallen into well, the water. And then it turns out that. And I, there's a sweet um, Sam Frodo moment here, which bears pointing out, which is that while everyone else succumbs to the kind of sleep spell, Sam does not specifically because of his concern for Frodo, which is fellas. Is it gay? Yeah. 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 It is. And then Sam, like, saves him from drowning. Yeah. Um, and then they realize that Merry and Pippin have been, like, sucked into the tree, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to set it on fire. And then Mary is like, put it out, put it out. He'll squeeze me in, too, if you don't. He says so. It's a big willow tree, by the way. Um, and then guess who appears? Tom Bombadil, who is not a horse, but <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, <laughs> not a horse, but <laughs> not a horse, but I think okay. So Tom Bombadil, mm-hmm. eventually, when they like talk more with him and figure out sort of like who he is, is the eldest. He's existed longer than anything. Yeah. Which means that he has known horses from the beginning of time. I, I will say, I'm still not a Bombadil fan after this read-through, but he does have, like, horse boy energy. Yeah, and so I think he's worth talking about. Okay. And I'm curious to know to know your thing. But, so he comes in and, like, is singing his goofy song, and then he... Which, don't um, worry, if like, you um, are worried... That you didn't catch it the first time, you will hear it so many more times. So, I mean, different variations of it. Ugh, yeah. This one is about bringing water lilies to his wife so that she lives through the winter. Okay. <laughs> Tom Bombadil's a wife guy. <laughs> the, he's the yes. he's the original wife guy. <laughs> yes. Fuck. Um. Okay, so he talks to old man willow mm-hmm. he hits him in uh, in the trunk with a branch first and says what be you a thinking of you should not be waking and then this chant which i love eat earth dig deep drink water go to sleep go to sleep and that's just like that's what i want to do all day every day eat earth dig deep drink water go it to sleep it is both a terrible song but also, it's it's a terrible song but a great manifesto you know yeah yeah 
And so he releases the hobbits and then he, you know, rhymes to them and tells them to follow him home. And they all go to Tom Bombadil's house, which is like weird, weird and magical. I thought, I don't know, maybe I'm just overly sentimental about horses. Um, hard to guess based on the premise of this podcast, but they're, um, the line where the, the, they're approaching Tom Bombadil's house, I thought was kind of cute. So they're all bedraggled from their like interaction with the willow and their long spooky march through the forest. And when they see Tom Bombadil's house, it says they hurried forward, hobbits and ponies. Yeah. Oh, and then the last, the last line of that chapter before like the new chapter in his house, Mm -hmm. like he sings a song to greet them and his wife joins in. And then the last sentence is, and with that song, the hobbits stood upon the threshold and a golden light was all about them. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's just a lovely image. And then they go in and there's a beautiful lady there who like, when I was a teenager, I was very into Goldberry and these descriptions of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, like, I I get it now, but also I think Goldberry is a dumb fucking name. Goldberry's a bad name. Gold Goldberry. Goldberry is like a Hobbit name, not a like ethereal Rivers... river daughter right, name. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like Gold. Yes, Goldberry <laughs> adds an element of like sexist SNL sketch to the whole affair. That, like, I don't know, Mm. just doesn't really, doesn't really suit. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's this very, like, oh, hi and welcome, I'm Martha Goldberry, come on in and eat my jam. Eat my jam? (laughs) Well, I, (laughs) no, 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 I I know what you're saying. Oh, I do also want to point out, there's a great, um, there's in this segment, there's lots of great, like, Redwall style, although I know Redwall is actually... Uh, Lord of the Rings style, but some great, like, tasty food talk. Like, the the feast that they have at Tom Bombadil's house feels like the Red Wall feast bot. The table is all laden with yellow cream, honeycomb, and white bread and butter. Fuck! Invite me! That sounds great! Yeah, and then milk, milk, cheese, and green herbs and ripe berries are gathered. I love me a green herb, you It know? sounds so good it does it does sound really good especially because there has been very little mention of food so far in the book other than that hobbits love it but without like specificity the mushrooms that but yeah the mushrooms yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah. a nice moment um i also love this description of the guest room mm-hmm. there were four deep mattresses each piled with white blankets laid on the floor along one side Against the opposite wall was a long bench laden with wide earthenware basins, and beside it stood brown ewers filled with water, some cold, some steaming hot. There were soft green slippers set ready beside each bed. Ugh, cozy. Yeah, I just love that. This, there was one line that really made me chuckle, which is that they're at dinner Mm -hmm. and, like, eating and drinking the clear cold water, yet it went to their hearts like wine and set free their voices. The guests became suddenly aware that they were singing merrily as if it was easier and more natural than talking. Hmm. And I just, look, if I were making The Fellowship of the Ring into a TV show, this would be the musical episode. (laughs) (laughs) Where they're just, like, inexplicably singing everything. Yeah. Okay, I want to... 
before we get back to horses, because I, I realize we need we need to go there, but tell me why... We not only need, but desire. Right. But tell me why you don't like Tom Pompadil, and, or like how your feelings have changed. Like, I want your take. Yes, yes. So my feelings <clears throat> have changed. So my initial reaction, like years ago to Tom Pompadil, was very much like frustration that the the book dangles this character in front of you who could like just cut through the inherent conflict of the book like a hot knife through butter and just says meh i'm good mm-hmm. a- and that was so frustrating to me and especially that like he's you know this um very powerful creature and he just fucking like he like it's all jests and japes and capering around like a clown. And that really frustrated me amidst the more serious tone of some of the stuff going on. And I don't feel that frustration anymore. I still don't love the Tom Bombadil parts, but I'm struck like talking about their journey through the old woods and how effective he is as an author at like kind of creating tension about how um weird and surreal and off in a way that is like just like two percent menacing the tom bombadil scenes feel to me yeah especially with like the way that their emotions are kind of manipulated um for, for the better you know like their their feelings of comfort but there's just there's it felt to me like there was this thin little filament of of like eerie dread running through it yeah yeah i mean i think like he is in the book because tolkien is like saying something about i mean he is meant to be this this transcendent figure who like yes is powerful but like not powerful in the way that other people are and so like frodo and gandalf have a conversation way later well i don't know how much later Mm -hmm but about Tom Bombadil and Gandalf says like he would lose the ring if you gave it to him. Like he's just, he exists. So like on another sort of plane. plane. Yeah. Um, but what I'm curious about is by the end of the book, if we see anything about like Bombadil or like his forest being affected by like mm-hmm. Mordor and the war because like that's an interesting thing that even though he's sort of neutral in a sense and like apart from it like will it touch him anyway there's nothing in the world that is apart yeah from the conflict yeah and I don't remember how much Tolkien talks about that I know that like the Shire is touched by it although it isn't in the movie but I think like that's the interesting thing there he... Oh, hold on, and I do really quickly yeah. before we leave Bombadil's house, yeah. um, both because it's about horses and the thing that I keep talking about, which is like, um, how su- like pleasantly surprised I was by how like creepy, um, yeah. this section was. Everyone's dreams at Bombadil's house are terrifying. Yeah. So like Pippin has a dream about being like encased by the tree again. Oh, yeah, Mary yeah, has a yeah. dream about like drowning in the the dark in a dark shoreless pool. Um and Frodo has a dream slash vision about it's about Gandalf escaping from Isengard via the eagle. 
but there's again there's a return to that use of like the hoof beats as a as a dramatic mechanic yeah um there was a noise like a strong wind blowing and on it was born the sound of hoofs galloping 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 from the east black riders thought frodo as he wakened with the sound of hoofs still echoing in his mind and so then he like jumps up he like wakes up in this beautiful peaceful place and looks out the window and it says he had half expected to see turf right up to the walls turf all pocked with hoof prints yeah um and i and i love i love that continuation of like even in this place even in the care of of this um really powerful figure there there is that that is hanging over your head the entire time um which i really liked yeah totally oh i loved this line sam was the only one who didn't dream which is said in this line, as far as he could remember... <laughs> this is such a donkey I know. As far as he could remember, Sam slept, slept through the night in deep content, if logs are contented. <laughs> yeah, Sam just gets absolutely wrecked there. Yeah. Um, I discovered on a total side note that the beans mm-hmm. growing in Tom Bombadil's garden, which Frodo sees the blossoms of through the window in the morning, are scarlet runner beans. Because it says the red flowers Ooh. on the beans, which means they have to be scarlet runner beans. Is that the only red flowering bean? As far as I can tell, yes. Wow. Because I was like, wait, I haven't heard of red flowers on beans, so then I googled it, and they have to be scarlet runner Come beans. Come for the horse trivia, stay for the bean <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so then everyone gets yeah. on, after the, the stay at Bombadil's house, everyone gets back on their ponies, which... We so we kind of see this is the thing I want to talk about. Um, yeah, so we kind of see these ponies a lot in the book, you know, like describing the difficulties of like traversing rough terrain with the ponies and the drama of mm-hmm. like sometimes the ponies get spooked by things and run away. But the ponies are like never are never described or um, really touched upon in any detail. Yeah, yeah. We'll get a little bit more in uh, several more pages. I do want to say it is in Tom Bombadil's house mm-hmm. that Frodo puts the ring on for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and this is an interesting um, adaptation difference. He kind of puts it on in like a fit of peak. Like he's kind of annoyed. And so yeah. puts the ring on instead of like doing Elijah Wood's eye fluttery like compelled by the power of the ring face well in i mean the first time he puts it in he puts it on in the film that happens in the tavern accidentally yeah right when he falls yeah, and it falls brain. onto his finger mm-hmm. the second time is at weathertop and then he puts it on because he's like compelled to it yeah and we we've seen him be compelled in the books but like this is but not successfully like he's avoided it at the last minute because of right friendship right yeah but yeah this is like he um like tom bombadil has handled the ring and like made it disappear for a second and brought it back and frodo is like better make sure it's the same ring only way to test it out right and also annoyed with tom for like making light of the things and he puts it on but i think it's interesting because i think this is the first time that we see frodo sort of being like I, he's not compelled in the way he is other times, but he is sort of, he's like, in, the ring is having an effect on yes. him. Yes. Yeah. 
that we see here you know that he's sort of like weirdly possessive of it right and like mildly and, and like so, loses but already the, the good humor that he has um in other right instances. yes yeah yeah and becomes sort of jealous and and weird yeah so then they have the whole um terrifying barrow white situation yeah which again i and i i know this is this is about horses but like genuinely spooky like the image of like frodo wakes up in the barrow and looks over at all of his friends who have all been dressed in different clothes which is um you know yeah and there's a single naked sword laying across the three hobbits necks which is such an image you know yeah although not frodo's that was sort of unclear to me like why he i don't know well yeah he he was, I mean, it's framed as he's laying a little apart from them. Maybe, listen, maybe one human sword is exactly three hobbit necks. <laughs> yeah, it was like he wasn't affected in quite the same way as they were. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't know. But he ends up um, sort of trying to fight back and then calling for Tom I Bombadil. I know, I know. And just when you and... were thinking, we've left Tom Bombadil's house, surely that's the last the last nope. of him. He's back. He's back. But there is a great there is great news about Tom Bombadil's return, which is that he sings a bunch of yes. songs, which I feel very mad about. But he sings a song about the ponies, which names the ponies. Yes, they apparently already had names. We just didn't know them because Tolkien didn't deign to share them with us. Um, I'm a little annoyed. It's a little annoyed. Um, please, but please, give the people what they want. Bombadil renames them, and then it says, um, Mary, to whom the others belonged, had not, in fact, given them any such names, but they answered to the new names that Tom had given them for the rest of their lives. And those names are... Sharp Ears, Wise Nose, Swish Tail, Bumpkin, and White Socks. And, and this is important. White Socks, yes. My Little Lad, the song goes. Yes, White Socks, My Little Lad. Um, and then there's another, there's another pony present. Tom Bombadil's own pony named Fatty Lumpkin. Which is the second character yes, named exactly. Fatty. Yes, exactly. The second book. character named Fatty out of the, like maybe 30 people we've met so far i have less of a problem with it in in a pony than a person um but i still don't love it especially given how i'm sure tolkien sort of like thought about uh bodies and things i don't i i i get like it it reads very much like for tolkien fatness is humorous and he uses it as a comedic thing, and yeah, it, yeah, it's this sp- and I don't particular think, like, kind of like cozy joviality, which is yeah, not and better I don't or think... worse than other kinds of like equating fat bodies to being funny. But right, fatness is not an insult; it is just like an objective fact. Um, but Tolkien uses it, yeah, in in this other way. Um, but the pony seems great yeah yeah and so and so tom bombadil summons this pony his own pony fatty because 
he is going to, after having to rescue the hobbits a second time, decides that, like, they cannot be without supervision and he will ride them out of his territory himself. So he says, um, and I actually really like this little quote, Here are your ponies now, he said. They have more sense in some ways than you wandering hobbits have, more sense in their noses, for they sniff danger ahead which you might walk right into. And if they run to save themselves, then they run the, white, the right way. You must forgive them all, for though their hearts are faithful, to face the fear of Barrow Whites is not what they were made for. See, here they come again, bringing all their burdens. It's very oh, sweet. Yeah. It is. And apparently they had gotten to know Lumpkin when they uh, stayed with Tom Bombadil. And so when they ran away, they like sought him out, basically. And then he led them back to Tom. Mm-hmm. horses looking out for each other yeah there, there, there's there's some like very sweet sincerity and that like like you can't be mad at people for their natures like <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, it's good everyone gets uh dressed again and they as tolkien says laid the ponies again oh yeah sorry not just everyone gets dressed again <laughs> First, they run around naked in the sunlight. Because Tom asked them to. Yes. Um, they... Yeah, oh, to, oh, to frolic naked in the sunlight with my friends that? for, four, yeah. for so a few hours they're... waiting for the, the, uh, the, eld- the eldest god to return. Right. They're wearing all these, like, thin white rags and, like, pale gold circlets and things. Um, and are, like how are we supposed to go if we're dressed up like this and like their hobbit clothes are all gone? Um, and so Tom says, be glad my merry friends and let the warm sunlight heat now heart and limb cast off these cold rags, run naked on the grass while Tom goes a hunting. And then he goes and gets their ponies and they're able to get into extra outfits from the pony packs. But in the meantime, they're just like running around on the grass naked which sounds great like yes and frolicking i know naked in a meadow with your pals what a life damn what a journey um this is this is such a minor thing but i find very charming too which is that like multiple times like you know it's this like the story is you know this epic quest about bravery and facing the the ills of the world but also he spends a lot of time talking about how uncomfortable it is to be a little too warm when you're walking or trying to get stuff done and i appreciate the honesty yeah given that it's 95 while i record today Uh, yeah um okay okay so the ponies the ponies are reladen they head out once again for brie which they actually successfully make this time yes and before we talk about brie i just have one mm-hmm. one final thing to say which is that tom yes. bombadil earlier on when he's like oh you're frodo and this and this and this like he knows all of this stuff already um says that he gets a lot of his news from farmer maggot yeah he describes in this sort of um, particular way, let's see, that's page 143 for me. He says, whom he seemed to regard as a person of more importance than they had imagined. Uh, there's earth under his old feet and clay on his fingers, 
Wisdom in his bones and both his eyes are open, said Tom. Um, and I don't know, it's interesting to me because, and we'll see this with Barleyman Butterbur as well, um, I think there's very much this sense in the Shire that, like, you know, Frodo is out of the ordinary, like, Bilbo was a weirdo for going away, everything is the way it is, and, like, we keep to ourselves, but there are actually, like, these people who have these outside connections yeah who are sort of like existing in a fuller way and and so i don't know it like we draw back the veil a little bit and see that things are not simply as they seem on the surface in the shire you you don't know the full story of what other people are up to yeah yeah <sighs> yeah um so brie now we can start talking about the movie at the same time. Uh, yes, because pretty much in the movie, we go right, straight because, from yes. the fairy to Brie. Um, in the movie, we do see three horses right off the bat. like as Four. Four horses. Four horses right off the bat. Like, as soon as they're through the gates, we see these four horses. Yes. So let's talk about those. These are, yes. Those horses. So these are the first horses we see... Um, in the movie section. So as the hobbits are, they've just passed through the gate, they're walking into Bree. It's like pretty muddy looking and miserable. Yeah, it all feels pretty like dark and scary. Yes. And they're like walking up the very muddy lane um, with paddocks on either side. And there's a bunch of horses in one of them. And after some pretty serious discussion. Yeah. What we think are cows on the other side. Yes. So don't be fooled, cows, not horses. Yeah, but on the left, there are horses. First is the pony. Is that the pony that we debated the color of a lot? Yes. Okay, yes. So we have a, a pony. It's very cute. It's, I think, a, I said champagne before. I think it's cream. Champagne is lighter. I think it's a cream Tobiano. It could be... Uh, a skew bald pinto um either way so it's it's a little cream colored pony with white patches on yeah it. it's kind of yeah it's kind of like a, a beige cream and white patchy and it has like a white or cream um whatever the lighter color is um mane and mm -hmm. tail and it's just very sweet looking it's very sweet and it's definitely a pony next to uh horses like yes. proportion wise yes yeah. So standing um, probably like a Shetland pony. Like it looks pretty small. It's pretty fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got that kind of um really poofy looking mane that I kind of associate mm, with ponies. Mm -hmm. So behind that pony is a a large dark horse. It's it's dark and wet, so it's kind of hard to tell what its color is. It's but it's dark and it has um a large white face marking, so it's partially bald. The, the white extends over its eyes, so it has those um, those bald eyes, which is a pretty distinctive marking. Yeah, to be clear, like, not bald the way we talk about. There's still hair. It's just white, and so that's called... White, white marking a, over, a yes, bald over face its eyes. Horse. Yeah. Um, that's a bald-faced lie <laughs> about a bald-faced horse. <laughs> um, and then there's... Um, is it the, the mouse, the mouse done? Yes. Yes. Um, next. Um, mm -hmm. so a, a done is generally like a light colored horse with, uh, black, black points, black mane and tail. And often that 
there's kind of some some dark on the back legs and sometimes on it's like hindquarters or back that like darker color extends up a little bit um and typically that's like a light tan horse with black but there's also for a lot of like horse coloring stuff there's kind of like patterns that apply to multiple colors so like done is kind of the pattern and then within that there are different it can be different yeah so there's a there's yellow done and red done and then mouse gray and we think it's a mouse gray so it's a it's a gray horse that has kind of dark dark legs a dark mane and it looks like maybe some a dark dorsal stripe yeah yeah and then what's the last horse the last one hidden behind that it's like tucked away behind the dun cut cuddled into its friend um is just is just a horse it's just a horse we really we can't tell we have looked we have zoomed in we have paused it's just a horse that appears to be dark yep kind of like enigma um in our kind of like enigma it's probably not enigma though no but it could be a sibling it could be a sibling a cousin it's probably a long lost sibling yeah Okay, so let's. God, I'm so glad we're we're back here. It's yes to participate in my favorite time. activity, which is naming these horses. Yes, yes, yes. I think first and foremost that we should name the Dun Mouse. Okay, great, perfect, love that. Okay. Are you making notes of this? I sure am. Okay, excellent. And then, oh, let's see. Um, I think I want to name that Tobiano like Custard. Okay. Can What's... do you do you hate that? We can name it something else. I know. I no. I love the idea. I'm trying to think of like what's the more, what's the most hobbity form of custard? You know. Mm. Yeah. I think they eat custard. I'm fine with custard. That's very cute for a, a little pony. Yeah. Okay, custard it is. Okay, great. Um, um, what should we about... name the bald-faced horse? Yeah, how about that big bald-faced horse? How um... about that? Who's that big man? <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have saved that because there's a, there's a larger man coming. Oh, it's true. Look, there are lots of big men in these movies. We're, there's you know... so many big men. <laughs> it's like he's just dipped his face in milk. Cream. Oh my God. What about custard and cream? Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Custard cream, mouse, and... Uh, Twilight. Oh my god, we're saving our fucking most dramatic <laughs> names for these sources that we can barely make out in the background. Yeah. We have given both both of our most fucking, like, extra, like... Yeah, the goth Twilight names. fanfic names. <laughs> yeah, god. Okay, and... Tw- okay, so we have Custard, Cream, Mouse, and Twilight. Yeah, look, Enigma and Twilight are, like, in a goth band together. Oh, fuck, yeah. Okay, this is great. Okay, so, to, and to pick up where we left off, our section total of horses in the first section was 32. So yeah. now we have four more to add to that running total. We'll do, again, uh, a, a section total and then the, the running, running total. total at the end. Yeah. So that's four. Um, and then we that's have... at minute marker 58... 19 for those of you watching yes and then shortly after that as they're sort of stumbling through brie and this like it is in the in the book they are a little intimidated by brie 
you know, like it seems like large and strange to them. And, and also it's tired. weird to them that humans and hobbits live side by side. That's yeah, an element yeah. there. Um, and there is a line where um, it says, he pictured black horses standing all saddled in the shadows of the inn yard and black riders peering out of dark upper windows, which is not what's actually happening, but just like in the movie, it is very, I don't know. It just feels like a very sort of dramatic sequence of them stumbling, stumbling through this like sort of hostile town that is like too big for them. And they're getting like jostled around. Yeah. And so uh, we, we're not, you know, we're not like a, practical effects podcast or anything so i don't want to get too deep in the weeds here but i did think this was interesting like how they achieved that you know they do a lot of um force perspective and size doubles for a lot of things they straight up they have extras in like on stilts with like big fake hands and big fake heads walking around and that's how they make um the hobbits seem so small in this scene wow so if you if you watch um, those like bream and like stumbling around you can kind of tell there's there's some uh, awkwardness yeah. to the gate there yeah I don't like I don't hate the Bree sequence it but it feels I don't know I guess it feels heavy-handed to me I think a lot of the things in these movies feel heavy-handed to me especially as yeah. I'm like rereading the books well I think part of that is like how quickly like literally the shot that we're talking about is like a you know it's like a 10 second shot to like establish this place and like how you feel about it instantly yeah yeah um and so when you're dealing with that kind of time crunch you you kind of lose the ability to be nuanced right well the the bigger issue i have here is Mm -hmm. is the tavern itself which their their experience is very different in the book versus the movie um yes and well yes and like yeah in the book like they're offered like a private parlor butterbur you know like there are hobbits there as well as humans um well and... yeah they have a much more um social interaction with the people there yes um, um we should and there's one more horse before we oh, actually yes, get yes, to the yes, prancer pony in the movie that we the should get to carriage horse right Yes, yes. So this is almost immediately after um, the shot of those other horses. They're now on kind of the main street of Bree, and a horse pulling a carriage walks past them. Um, It's a big chestnut horse with a blaze, and to us it seems um, like it's probably a a draft horse Bree because it's got maybe it's. It's dark and everything is wet, so it's kind of hard to establish okay. colors. We can call it the Big Bay. Yeah, I wrote down Bay, but who knows? Um, and it seems it seems draft horsey because it's got a a giant, big old fucking head, and it's got those big fetlocks, yeah. which are the little um kind of feathered, the little like seventies feathered hair that comes out at what you think of as a horse's ankle. Yeah. Yeah, they're wearing, like, Um, bell-bottoms, but their own hair. Can I suggest um, a slightly anachronistic name? Yeah. For this horse? Who's that big bay? (laughs) Great. That's, like, a real racehorse-style name, you know? Yeah, it's it's true. Oh, there's another little food description once they're in their, like, private parlor. Yes, Um, yes, which is... I think arguably better than the one at Tom Bombadil's house. 
Yeah, I mean, Tom Bombadil's house sounds great, but this is also, it's, this is a little, like, more prepared food and less just, like, mm-hmm. disparate elements that are delicious eaten together. But um, there was hot soup, cold meats, a blackberry tart, new loaves, slabs of butter, and half a ripe cheese. Good plain Damn. food. As good as the Shire could show, and homelike enough to dispel the last of Sam's misgivings, already much relieved by the excellence of the beer. Hell yeah. Yeah. Ta- yeah. Invite it's me. Really, take it's me. Really delightful. Take me there. And after they're, like, refreshed by dinner, then they go to the big common room of the inn and, yeah. like, meet folks. And Mary does not go with them. Mary fucks off on his own business. He essentially yeah. tells them, I don't think it's a good idea to do what you're doing, but like, go for it and I guess I'll take a walk later. Um, I didn't read it that way. He just said it would be too stuffy. Yeah. Oh, oh, he does say mind your P's and Q's and don't forget that you were supposed to be escaping in secret and are still on the high road and not very far from the Shire. Right, right, exactly. Okay. It, it, like, it's yeah. the continuation of, like, Book Mary. I, I, I love Movie Mary, but, like, Book Mary being kind of a different creature here at the beginning yeah. of the yeah. journey. He's very smart. Um, also, I think um, it felt a little timely to me. There's a discussion in that common room where Tolkien refers to as, like, a, ma- a southerner who he describes, he does the thing that he does throughout, which is, like, he equates... Um, physical characteristics to like goodness of character which yeah is or not in this case badness of character right right so there's a, a in his words a squint-eyed southerner um yeah. and the local people are kind of talking about uh, troubles in the east that are causing refugees and the people of brie feel a reluctance to accept refugees into their midst and um the southerner, one of the travelers, a squint-eyed, ill-favored fellow, was foretelling that more and more people would be coming north in the near future. If room isn't found for them, they'll find it for themselves. They have a right to live, same as other folk, he said loudly. The local yeah. inhabitants did not look pleased at this prospect. This was interesting because this guy um, is, like, is not, like, a, a good guy, Um given later events where he like shares you know information he learns in the tavern basically with the black riders that's what's heavily implied Mm -hmm. um but i like agree with him here like he's speaking what like would be well and it's interesting like i don't think of these these books are like not very morally complicated but this is a little more which is like it's heartbreaking the worst person you know just made an excellent point yeah yeah um, um and, and and the the villagers um like i think noticeably frosty reception of that point yeah yeah um it's interesting too because earlier like well butterbur like accidentally refers to the hobbits as outsiders and then corrects himself he says we don't get outsiders travelers from the shire i should say begging your pardon often um, and then, I mean, he's very nice to them, but it's funny because I feel like earlier the Shire folk were res- refer to, like, people in Bree as outsiders. So, like, they yeah. both they both think of, e- of the other as the outsider. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, but here's, here's what I actually want to talk about. And I'm sorry that this person is 
also not a horse, but <laughs> I want to talk there's a, about there's, it. This is an upsetting theme, Joey, an upsetting yeah, theme. Yeah, I'm sorry. Look, Aragorn shows up. Strider. Ah! Uh, we, I, I do, I have to rat us the fuck out. Speaking of, yeah. of uh, you know, squint-eyed <laughs> southerners, um, I have to rat us out. We, in our private conversations about this book, did so much, like, dreamy sighing about, about Strider. Like, I know. And when we were watching the movie, like, the first time he... You (laughs) see him, like, in the corner, and his face is all shadowed by the cloak, and his leg is sticking out with, like, his boots showing, and I was like, oh, he's so hot. I know, (laughs) listen, I'm a different person than I was in, like, seventh grade, but, like, damn, this fucking greasy man does it for me, you know? Yeah, I don't... His greasy fucking bangs? I don't know, something about him. My brand is not, like, loving men, Okay. But, right, right. But and yet Strider are. is something. I realized rereading this. So, okay, have you mm-hmm. read The Borrowers? No, I haven't actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's a great read. But in the, I don't remember if it's the first book or the second one, but in one of The Borrowers books, the borrowers being, you know, tiny people that secretly live in um, right, normal right, right. people houses, um, yeah. they have to like leave the house because they're being I don't know the humans discover them or they're afraid that the humans have have discovered them um and they set out and they find this like teenage boy borrower named Spiller if I'm remembering correctly (laughs) and Spiller Spiller is like he's been out like living in nature for a while and he's like helps them but is kind of, like, rough around the edges, and, like, the teenage daughter of the family, Arietti, um, Oh, this is, like, this is like a, a real, like, him. jet from Avatar The Last Airbender kind of vibe going on. Yeah. Yeah, very much okay. so. When I, like, I had I had read The Borrowers prior to being introduced to Strider in, in The Fellowship, and Strider immediately felt to me like grown-up Spiller. Like, mm. they are very much i mean there's there's even there's there's definitely like a name similarity right right there's the name similarity and i think like as he as we see more of the like autogorn side of him we see less of the like spiller similarity but the like the strider the ranger um is very much like this the way that middle school me felt about spiller (laughs) high school me (laughs) felt about strider so i'm not gonna lie like i'm kind of i was kind of surprised to like discover the ongoing strength of that like middle school crush like as we rewatch these movies and and read that book like i definitely had um in my lord of the rings merchandise as a younger person i definitely had like the aragorn forward merchandise you know wow wait i thought you were a legolas person i was i was also okay okay well you know I contain multitudes, Joey. Yeah, that's fine. Legolas was just, like, too perfect. I couldn't... Yeah. He's, like, I need... I don't know. What do you need, Joey? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we we have missed... We have missed another horse, um, which is not an actual horse, but I think Bear's talking about. Oh, yeah. Joey, it's not a horse, but the Prancing Pony sign is a horse. The Prancing Pony. The tavern is called the Prancing Pony, and there is a horse on the sign. It's a beautiful, very, like, I think, 
traditional fantasy horse. It's got like a white coat and a very golden mane. Yeah, I mean, it's painted gold, but yes. And it is, it's sort of like upright and prancing. Um, It's Um, charming. I don't... I don't think we should count it towards the horse total, but no, but we should. I do name think, it. yeah, we got to name it. What? And this has, this has to be this has to be a good name. Yeah, what do you want to name this horse? What should we name this horse? I hmm 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 hmm. I I feel like because of the way that this horse looks and that it's like kind of an archetype, like we have to give it like a very horse-ass name you know oh yeah i don't know what i don't know what makes names horsey (laughs) well okay Um, no i do (laughs) because i mean it feels like it should be the name of the like titular character in a young reader's book right well okay so here's here's a thing that former horse girl joey did Mm-hmm. Um, I would print out, and I've told you this privately before, but I would print out, um, like coloring, like horse coloring pages, um, and, and color them and then cut them out and put them on like a thin cardboard backing to make basically horse paper dolls. Oh um, yeah, uh-huh. And then I would cut saddles out of tack catalogs. And put little tabs on them so that I could actually, like, put them on my horse paper dolls. Um, and each of those horses, like, had a name and, like, yeah, info naturally. that I would, like, write on the back so that they were there. Um, and I'm trying to remember, there was this one horse was named, like, Windfire or something. Oh, fuck. That's, it's like a or, No, it was, it was Windrider. I think it was Windrider. Um, and another, I don't remember the other ones, but... But that's a horsey, like, that's, like, a fantasy horse name, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it really is. That's, like, the, that's the warrior cat's formula. Um, That's interesting that you went to that for naming ideas, because I was also going to recommend, I was, al- I was also a horse girl, obviously, but I was also very deeply a wolf girl, and I used to name oh. um, my, like, I used to when I was a kid I would like save all of my allowance money to buy those like ceramic wolf figurines that you buy like at truck stops and sporting Uh goods stores yeah um and they all had very uh, majestic names um so I was gonna like like I remember you know like one named sentinel oh I like that that sounds like a very friends at the table name honestly (laughs) Ooh, I also here's the thing though I'm really into the like wild the warrior cats like what like wildfire what I'm about okay think. random i'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall here spirit mm-hmm. stallion of the cimarron oh yeah great <laughs> perfect <laughs> i can't believe spirit makes a cameo in the lord of the rings <laughs> i can't believe spirit makes a cameo in lord of the rings uh Okay, I want to I want to give an honorable mention before we continue talking about Strider because mm-hmm. there are just a couple more things to say. Wait, hold on. We haven't officially named the horse, Joey. Oh, I sorry. I thought you were naming it Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Was that not? Oh yeah, shit. Okay, no, that's fine. Spirit <laughs> Stallion of the Cimarron TM starring Matt Damon. <laughs> Great. Okay, sorry. Please, please continue. Um, okay. Um, there's a ferret 
in the tavern scene. Yeah, it's so cute. I had totally yeah, forgotten about it. Someone just has their little pet ferret. And then... But it's also... A... But that ferret is, like, definitely included not as, like, oh, cute, look at the ferret. It's like, oh, boy, this place is weird and these people are sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, whoa, that guy has a pet ferret. No one's safe here. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, there's also a cat. Whoa, what? I missed the cat. No, you did not. You said, oh, look, it's a cat. I have no memory of this Or you place. said, it's Biz, because it looked like not to Biz. Be, not, to be, not to be Gandalf, but I have no memory of this place. I I'm believe pretty you. Sure we there just was watched the movie together like two days black ago. Black cat, and you literally said, look, that's Biz. I, I believe you. I say that a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well... <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a cat that looks like Biz. Oh, that's thrilling. I'm um, very happy. Okay. In both books and movies, this is uh-huh. where the party discovers that black riders have already, black horsemen have already been through Bree. And that Gandalf is not here. Yes. Also, I know they're not horses, but very quickly, I do just have to point out, like, J.R.R.T. and his naming bullshit... The first characters we meet in Brie, aside from uh, Barlamin Butterbur, are Bob, who is presumably, like, the hostler or the man who works in the stables, and the hobbit who works with him, Hob. Hob and Bob. Wait, no, it's Nob. One of them is Nob. Nob, sorry, Nob. The hobbit is named Nob. N-O-B. Nob and Bob. Which he loves wow. to do because Sam's Is it Nob and Bob or is, is it Nob and Ham. Hob? Wait. Oh yeah, it, okay, yes. It no, it's it's Bob. You're right. It's not Bob. The human is named Bob. Yes, I just Nob thought it Bob. might be like a play on Hobnob. Oh, interesting. But it's not. No. It's it's but Bob it's not. Nob. <laughs> it's Bob Nob. You know what Tolkien does though? What does Tolkien do? He writes nursery rhyme fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, so there's so how Frodo <laughs> So <laughs> How Frodo gets caught in Bree is a lot less uh, dignified in the books, which is that... Although, also, bear- Pippin is not being nearly as obvious, nor yeah, it's, is it's Frodo. Not like, Pippin's, it's it's yeah. not Pippin's fault. Frodo gets gets a, uh, an ale in him, decides to um, participate in some singing, and then sings a really long song, which can only be described as, like, J.R.R.T.'s fanfiction rewrite of the cow jumps over the moon yeah and and it's funny so tolkien writes only a few words of it are now as a rule remembered so that's his little line like oh yes remnants of this song still exist in the present day because it's prehistory and here here's the proof yes um and so you have like all of the lines from that poem the cat on his fiddle played hey diddle diddle and like the the uh fork ran away with the spoon are in this song but it is like two pages long and it's also it's about how the man in the moon loves to drink burr oh yeah just loves a cold one with the boys yeah and so he he does that he does a little jig at the end and loses his footing and eats shit on the table and takes out like a tray of of crocs 
Yes, and um, then and then is so embarrassed. Actually, this is this is pretty relatable because is so embarrassed that he chooses to be swallowed up by the earth rather than face the social consequences I mean, of, of his blunder. He does not choose it. It says how it came to be on his finger, as in the ring. He could not tell. Mm-hmm. He could only suppose that he had been handling it in his pocket while he sang, and that somehow it had slipped on when he stuck out his hand with a jerk to save his fall. For a moment he wondered if the ring itself had not played him a trick. Perhaps it had tried to reveal itself in response to some wish or command that was felt in the room. He did not like the looks of the men that had gone out after that disappearance. So Strider, um, I just wanna I just wanna point out a couple things. Um, yeah, and I got I gotta tell you, we are pretty much in like a horse free zone until we leave the inn the next morning. So like buckle in. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but look. Aragorn and Viggo Mortensen, who played him in the movies, loves horses. That man loves real, horses so much. He has much. a real horse bond, which we'll get into yes. more in future episodes. But it's it's worthwhile to talk about him now. Just a few, like, I want to stay true to our vow to mention every horse on screen. None of it is new, but it bears repeating. There's several shots of, like, Wraiths riding towards Bree. And then yes. at the end of the night when when things go pear shaped, there's there's more there's more horse shots. But they are all horses that we have seen before from the a murder of horses. So they will not be added to the the horse count TM. Yeah. Oh, I loved this. So there's there's a letter there's a letter that Gandalf left with Butterbur for Frodo that Butterbur it's had surprisingly catty to yes he had forgotten to send it and it says if you uh meet you may meet a friend of mine on the road a man lean dark tall by some called strider he knows our business and will help you blah 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 blah. and that's where we first see the all that is gold does not glitter poem um mm-hmm. which god i love still um yeah he, but he also the, says the final note oh. in it Yes, that's exactly what says, I was going to talk about. I hope Butterbur sends this promptly. A worthy man, but his memory is like a lumber room. Thing wanted, always buried. If he forgets, I shall roast him. It's very good. It's very good. Um. Okay, the first line from Aragorn that I really love is that um, they're sort of talking about, like, why they should trust him and and now Frodo does because he's gotten the letter from Gandalf and he's like why didn't you say you knew Gandalf and he's like well would you have even believed me but then he says but I must admit that I hoped you would take to me for my own sake a hunted man sometimes wearies of distrust and longs for friendship but there I believe my looks are against me and I'm just like oh buddy like you're so sad and lonely yeah also you just gotta like you have to shampoo just just once. Right. Just like would, you actually do have the power to like look a little less terrifying. Yeah. Also, I like while we're talking about his appearance, I know this is not how it's intended, like in the text, but multiple people refer to Strider as Longshanks, which just feels very like it just feels very lusty to me. Like everyone keeps talking about his long shanks. Leave the man in his shanks alone. Yeah, there's also, there's some line that describes his boots um, that felt very... Eyeballs emoji. Yeah, like, like, they're described as being, like, 
tall boots made of supple leather. And supple, you like, say? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Um, Great. And then, then there is this this moment where Sam is like, like, how do we know that you're actually the right strider? Maybe you're just pretending. And he says, like, I could, I would have killed you already. Like, if I was after the ring, I could have it now. And he sort of, like, stands up taller and they see his sword for the first time. And then he says, but I am the real strider, fortunately, he said, looking down at them with his face softened by a sudden smile. I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and if by life or death I can save you, I will. And it's just, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, you know, believe in all of the sort of, like, the noble hero ideas of, like, this sort of fantasy the way I did Yeah, yeah, it's about the, like, inherent kingliness of people because of their genetics. Right, but there is something really sort of, like, inspiring and noble in this moment um, that, I don't know, that hit me. Well, and it's the first moment of, of yeah, of softness that we see from him because, yeah, he, he starts out and he's very much like, you're, to Frodo, like, you're being a dumbass, which Frodo is, and, yeah, yeah. the, like, well, if I was a bad actor, I would have killed you already argument is never compelling. <laughs> I don't know. I feel a little compelled by it. <laughs> That's a different kind of compulsion, Joey. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just I like legit. I felt some level of like, oh wow, I've fallen in love with him by the end of this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a what a pleasure it is to return to our middle school selves. You know. Yeah. Let's get back to horses. Yeah. Yes. And and they they do return. Well, the the black riders return. Um in yes. in the book in a terrifying scene. Yeah. Where Fatty Bulger, the hobbit who had sort of like helped them out before who was hanging out with Mary but who was staying in the Shire. He's he's still at the house and his whole thing is he's trying to like pretend that everyone else is still there for as long as possible. Yeah, he was still in Buckland and he feels uncertain and it's it's like late at night and he looks out and sees like a shadow that's darker than the other shadows and then sees the gate seem to open of its own accord and close again without a sound um and he shuts and locks the door and then they they get into the house but he's already gone out um and i don't know i mean i can't I, like i'm not going to read the whole thing but tolkien sets it up really nicely where you feel like like He's still in the house and is being attacked, but he's actually, like, already gone and, like, suddenly an alarm rings out because he, like, took action. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's it's a great scene um, where he yeah, is this yeah. sort of, like, uh, comic character, but, like, does sort of a brave thing. Yeah, is one of many reasons that people continue to love the series despite its um, its its failures and its... And it's fallings. Yeah. There's also, this is in the books, but not in the movies. Remember, Mary um, kind of went off on his own thing. And Mary oh, yes. does not come back when they expect him to. And Bob and Nob go off in search of Mary and essentially find him passed out in the road. And he describes that he oh, was walking. Yeah. 
and this is another great another great horror scene like suddenly i shivered and felt that something horrible was creeping near there was a sort of deeper shade among the shadows across the road just beyond the edge of the lamplight it slid away at once into the dark without a sound there was no horse and i think i i marked that down because horse <laughs> um but also right. that's i think a moment of them realizing although it's obvious to the reader that there's some supernatural element to the to the writers that like it is not in fact just you know men on scary horses chasing them it's it's interesting because in the books they're they're described as more sort of they do a lot more like creeping on the ground when they're off their horses yeah yeah and in the movie we don't ever see that and in fact when we do first see them off their horses it's at weathertop and they're all like standing up straight and tall but like in the books there's much more of this like weird like cloaked figures sort of like creeping over the ground and sniffing and and talking yeah. they talk more it actually not to bring up hated turf jk rowling again <laughs> oh but gosh the the um, you know the book one scene where they're in the forest and Voldemort is like out drinking unicorn blood and he's like a weird like creeping cloaked figure like it oh, reminds very, me of, yeah. of that actually like uh, I don't know what JK was drawing on but it felt um, like a very similar image there yeah yeah absolutely so then yeah. the the account is pretty similar across book and movie, which is that um, Strider convinces the hobbits to not go back to their hobbit rooms and to stay with him for the night. As uh, yes. They're pretty sure there's going to be an attack on Bree. And then in the book, just two little instances I wanted to point out really fast, just because I really love the repeated use of like the horse sounds um, mm -hmm. as, you know, the like indicator of like, of literally of them being pursued by like darker things um so first is the night deep end there came the soft sound of horses led with stealth along the lane yeah and then um that's kind of as everyone is getting ready for bed and then frodo has weird dreams again frodo soon went to sleep again but his dreams were troubled with the noise of wind and of galloping hooves pretty spooky it is um, and then, uh, when they're gonna leave, at least in the book, we don't really see this in the movie, but they discover, I mean, they discover the next morning that their room was, like, ransacked and, like, torn apart, and they discovered that all of the horses and ponies in the stable are gone, presumably in order to delay their escape. And they eventually find that Bill Fernie who is one of the guys who was in the tavern and was hanging out with the Southerner, has a, a poor old half-starved pony um, that he has mistreated, that he sells to them for three times the price it should have been. Which is 12 silver mm -hmm. pennies was the... So I guess that pony would be worth four oh, silver Oh, to pennies. buy a pony for 12 silver pennies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they set off. And that pony... Um, will eventually be named, um, but has not been yet. Yes, there's one. There's movie. one line I want to read about the pony because I think it it uh, yeah, it's very. It. Um, I love the character arc. The like, you know, 
of this horse, this unnamed horse. Last came Sam leading the pony, which was oh, laden yes, with yes, as yes. much of their baggage as they had the heart to give it, which is oh. such a great little quip. But already it looked less dejected, as if it approved of the change in its fortunes. Uh, I also, there's a great Sam moment um, where they're on their way out of town uh, yeah! and they see Bill Fernie and who like yells and spits at them. And he says, and you, Fernie, he said, put your ugly face out of sight or it will get hurt. With a sudden flick, quick as lightning, an apple left his hand and hit Bill square on the nose. He ducked too late and curses came from behind the hedge. Waste of a good apple, said Sam regretfully and strode God. on. And I just He's like, so good. I don't know. Book Sam, Sam is has so good. Such like richness of character. That's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about about this pony in the movie. Can we please? I would love nothing more than to talk about the pony. So what? the first time we actually see like. the pony is at minute marker. Uh, it's one hour, five minutes and 33 seconds. It's actually, it's Strider leading the pony in The mm-hmm. Hobbit's following. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, this this is a, a chestnut pony, um, mm-hmm. meaning it's all kind of a chestnut brown, um, and it has a white blaze. Super long forelock. And mane. I mean, it ha- so it has, it has mane extensions, forelock, forelock yes. and mane, um, that are yes. honestly like more of a, a cream color than chestnut um there is at least one shot where you can see it's chestnut oh yeah it's forelock, pretty visible like to one side and the forelock extensions like flowing to the other side which is <laughs> not great i don't love what they've done with this we're not going to get into all of this in this episode but we know that this um pony is played by two different horse actors for different size Yes, one a pony and one a horse. And we will be talking further once we get, like, more of this pony in, in the movie. About... Oh, oh, we will be talking in depth, my friends. Yes, I hope you're ready. We are doing some, some deep horse actor Ground, lore. Groundbreaking research. Research on this. Yeah, so, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, he's, you know, a charming little horse. For the next... 15 minutes or so, Bill is the only horse on screen, and there are many shots of Bill, so we will not stop to describe them all here, that it is all, it is, it's just Bill all the way down. Yeah, yeah, Um, lots of just, I mean, the whole, like, traveling sequence, the famous, like, uh, what about second breakfast, what about 11 C's conversation, Bill is standing right there. Um, Like a star. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Actually, I was wondering, because in, during that sequence, you know, Mary and Pippin are, like, quipping with themselves, and then Strider throws an apple back to Mary, who catches it, and uh-huh. then Pippin is kind of looking around confusedly and gets smacked in the gob with one, and I wondered if that was kind of a fun little um, reference to the Bill Fernie scene. Oh, yeah. So, they're pretty much just traveling with, they're just traveling through the wilderness trying to meet up with Gandalf along the way. And Strider suggests that if Gandalf is around, he will have been to Weathertop. So they yeah, for probably Weathertop, which we is also, a bad call. There are a couple interspersed shots of with the pony of 
um, we see that there are now four Black Riders instead of three. Yes, yes, there have been four since Bree. Like, the shots, there are shots yes. of the horsemen leaving Bree, and there are four, one for each hobbit. To one, only one, it's one, it's, there's a very specific one Nazgul to hobbit murder ratio. So Oh yeah, because when, they, when Nazgul. they all stab the bolsters that are made to look like hobbits, yes, there's it's one, one per. standing over each bit each bed yeah yes. yeah i i just want to point out that in the i think in both the book and movie it makes no sense for um for strider to want to go to weathertop in the book especially uh gandalf's letter to frodo says that he will rendezvous with them at rivendell if he has not met them prior and so this like going to weathertop seems really foolish on the part of strider and feels mostly like you know, plot manipulation on Tolkien's part so that he can stage this confrontation. I I hear you, and I feel that a little bit, but I also think this is, like, this is the part in their travels where, like, Strider is also supposed to be looking, like, worried. That feels like there could be that little bit of characterization there. And, you know, he is also, like, he is a person who has kind of chosen not to engage with his destiny or whatever. And so he's like looking, he's like looking for outside help instead of like facing something head on. Instead of yeah. taking well, the okay, by so himself to Rivendell. Here's, here's a thing. And this is, mm-hmm. this is, I think the biggest difference in how Aragorn is characterized between the book and movie is that, the movie portrays him as really reluctant to accept his destiny. Like, I mean, like you just said, he's like chosen not to engage with it. I don't think that's how he's portrayed in the book. I think he is. Yeah. It's, it's more like I have a secret. He is waiting for the right time and knows that it is not yet. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. we see in that moment when he's like, I am Aragorn, son of Adathorn, like he knows it. He like, yeah. Um, and 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 we get a very different narrative for him in the movie but i think there there may be something to him sort of like wanting to go back to this place that was like an old fort for like personal reasons yeah partially yeah he's he's very wistful in the movie when he like describes the history of the fort yeah. so okay regardless yeah. of the reasons for going to weathertop they go to Weathertop and get and they're attacked. I, Strider says in the book, and so I know we spent a good chunk of time on horse moral philosophy, which I want to dip back into very quickly. Yeah. In the book, Strider is talking about why it was a bad idea for them to go to Weathertop. And he says, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a mistake for the three of us to go up and stand there for so long, for the black horses can see. And the riders use men and creatures as other spies, which feels like kind of an interesting point i mean even if those horses like if those horses were sort of like not bad they're communicating what like what they sense to their riders right Mm -hmm. and that like Mm -hmm. kind of ups their level of like complicitness right well and also like you know a horse a horse is not a dog a horse is not going to see someone in in the distance and make for them that speaks to some amount of like partnership there yeah the black horses can see i thought that was an interesting little wrinkle oh they get attacked before they get attacked 
But bef- but before they so then they get attacked. But before that, sorry, there's a song. Do we want to? Should we come back to this song? Yeah, let's come back to the song. Just yeah, we still have a decent amount of stuff to get yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there is a song. Um, one of our oaths, as you know, is to rewrite a song to be about horses, live on the live on the pod. And that song this time is the tragic love story of Baron and Luthien. Yeah, the tale of Tenubio. So we'll be we'll be back. We yes, we will come back. But to first, that. but first, Frodo gets stabbed. Frodo gets stabbed. Um, I don't like this scene. I don't like Frodo, and I you don't seem like to be the fine way with Peter his passive Jackson face. But anytime that handled. he is experiencing a negative emotion, you're not into it. Oh, I don't like his passive face either, but I don't hate okay, it as not even strongly. That. I don't like to stand on with Joey. <laughs> yeah, he does. Thing. I like even his. He does. He makes some. He makes some interesting um, face. Even decisions. his passive face has like this underlying residue of his like his underlying residue. Face. It's a face. <laughs> yeah. I I can't Listen, maybe... I can't look at his passive face without seeing his face at all other times. It's <laughs> no, always present. There there's some there's some bad like this I'm thinking of when he gets stabbed, I'm thinking of every time he feels the compulsion of the ring, and I'm also thinking of fucking many moons from now when he gets stingered by Shelob and the horrible face that ensues. I think I have a lot more sympathy with Frodo and his resting face than you do because I think I also in sometimes in my resting face kind of get that glassy wall-eyed expression. Yeah, that, uh, which Frodo is has. which is fine, but you're like I think acting is not just having the face you would actually have in the moment. It's having a face that conveys something to the audience that like works and I think that Elijah Wood fails in that. I think we we have talked about this a little off mic. I think he can be very expressive of certain emotions and not so much of others. Like I think he conveys emotional agony pretty well, but maybe not physical agony. Frodo gets stabbed and it sucks and his face looks so bad for the next like however 10 minutes of the film after being yeah. stabbed. Like there's Which, green ten, ten minutes, on his face. 10 minutes it's, we are not that far in the movie. Like, ten minutes is a pretty significant chunk of, like, what we have seen of his face so far. Yeah, I don't even know if it's actually ten minutes. It's probably less, but I don't like any part of it's it. It's about ten minutes. It's about okay. ten minutes. Um, it's bad, but it brings us to a new Something horse. great. It brings us to something great, yeah, which is another horse. A horse with a name. But before that, really fast, there is there is one yeah. more thing I want to say uh-huh. about the the as of yet um, unnamed pony, which I just think is a sweet little thing. So they Frodo has been stabbed, and they are hauling ass through the backwoods trying to get him to Rivendell for help, mm-hmm. and um, Frodo has to ride the pony for good chunks because he is too wounded to really walk. It says, Bill Fernie's poor old pony was developing a talent for picking out a path and for sparing its rider as many jolts as possible, which I thought yeah. was a great moment of horse characterization. Yeah, he's he's a good pony. He's a good pony. Okay, on yeah. to the next horse. Um. Okay, so 
Arwen, Arwen shows up. Arwen shows up, um, which is not Arwen in the books. Right. In the books, it is Glorfindel, which yeah. if, do you know what uh, the English translation of Glorfindel is? I'm so glad you asked because I have my The Languages of Tolkien's Middle Earth right here. Okay. I can also just tell you because I know. Oh, please just tell me. It means, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Golden haired horror. Horror? Okay. Damn. Yeah. That's metal. I, yeah. Yeah. Glorfindo. Metal as fuck. The book is very, like, horse forward and how it sets up the approach. Like, in the... I mean, don't get me wrong. Lord of the Rings does, like, a het version of the beloved, like, use sword to tilt chin up, which, like, God, is anyone not a sucker for that? Right, it's, yeah, it is good. Like, Arwen's entrance with the, it's, you it's just have, good. like, Adagorn, like, looking for herbs, um, King's Foil or whatever, to treat, um... Ethelis the Healing Flower. Okay, but the common name is King's Foil. Which, by the way, he says in the books, he found by the smell of it at night. So, yeah. so picture, please picture Bookstrider <laughs> sniffing, just sniffing, walking through the dark woods alone, sniffing... <laughs> For some king's foil. Um, yeah, and you just see Arwen's sword, like, extend into the shot. Um, it's really good. It's it's great. But yes, in the book, um, they're scared because, again, they hear the sound of a horse, and they think it's a black rider, and they all hide. And then they hear, like, bells tinkling and realize that it's an elf horse with, like, bells oh. on its harness. Yes. Also, we get some great um, horse foley from um, J.R.R.T., they were going, the sounds of hoofs drew near. They are going fast with a light clippity-clippity-clip. Great. Thank oh, man, you. I love to go clippity-clippity-clip. Haha, <laughs> horse go clippity-clippity-clip. <laughs> um, and then the description of the horse itself is pretty cool. Suddenly into view below came a white horse, gleaming in the shadows, running swiftly. In the dusk, its headstall flickered and flashed as if it were studded with gems like living stars. I... I'm just noticing that in my notes, consistently, I have unintentionally misspelled uh, Glorfindel as Glorfindel, which is actually, like, pretty on par with his <laughs> yeah, <it is>. name. <laughs> I somehow did not write anything, any description of the movie horse. It's um, a but beautiful it's, um, it's also, kind of silver it, dapple horse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this horse's name is Asphaloth. Which is a great name. What is, hey Joey, what does Asphaloth mean? I don't actually know, but I was reflecting on this, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think the pronunciation rules of Elvish are usually that the emphasis, the syllabic emphasis, goes on the second to last syllable, mm. which would mean that everyone has been mispronouncing Asphaloth, and it would be like, I'm I'm actually wondering if it's like Asphaloth. Mm. That sounds Elvish. But I don't know because I'm not used to. Usually the A is an ah sound though. So yeah, who who the fuck knows? Oh, cute. Okay. Um, Glorfindel's white horse, Loth is blossom. Oh, and ass is a, is the root word for sunlight. So it's sunlight blossom. Lovely, beautiful. Yes. Um, and in you hear in the movie 
um, Arwen saying Norolim Asphaloth, Norolim, and Noro, which we used in the last episode as a horse name, mm -hmm. meaning to ride. Norolim means ride on. So she's telling him to, you know, ride faster, basically. Also, like in the books, um, I mean, Arwen isn't there, obviously. But interestingly, right. like Frodo is on the horse alone. This is another example of like kind of Frodo being more... Oh, competent right. so yeah so when they realize that they are yeah like Glorfindel puts him on the horse and sends him across and then stays to sort of right well and and again there's kind of that that question of like how much agency does the horse have so in the book you shall ride my horse mm -hmm. said Glorfindel I will shorten the stirrups up this up to the saddle skirts and you must sit as tight as you can but you need not fear my horse will not let any rider fall that I command him to bear his pace is light and smooth, and if danger presses too near, he will bear you away with a speed that even the black steeds of the enemy cannot rival. Wow. And this is followed in the books and the movies by a really incredible, like, horse chase scene. I think the scene from the movie yeah. is really famous and well-known, genuinely. Like, I, I say this unironically and sincerely, it is, like, a joy to watch. But it's also, you know, the section in the book is only a page or two and it's really compelling tight writing from someone who I don't think of as being known for his tight writing um so I I would encourage you to read that it's it's pretty cool I oh man see I need to I for some reason like cannot remember how this went down in the book even though I read it, it, it not it's it's, it's actually it's ago. very similar so they know they have a certain amount of horses behind them they put frodo on the horse and then the so they're being chased by the four and then the other five burst out and then there's there's a instead of kind of the winding chase like through through and between the sandy pines it's just a flat out chase across a plain in front of the ford and frodo in both book and movie makes it across the ford and then has kind of a conversation in a confrontation with the writers um the difference being that in the book frodo like calls upon the elves and the elvish stars oh well he says by elbereth and luthien the fair yes. you shall have neither the ring nor me yes um which causes and the... then and he lifts up his sword at that point and then the leader who is now half across the ford stood up menacing in his stirrups and raised up his hand Frodo was stricken dumb. He felt his tongue cleave to his mouth and his heart laboring. His sword broke and fell out of his shaking hand. The elf horse reared and snorted. The foremost of the black horses had almost set foot upon the shore. And at that moment, there came a roaring and a rushing, a noise of loud waters rolling many stones. Dimly, Frodo saw the river below him rise, and down along its course there came a plumed cavalry of waves. White flames seemed to Frodo to flicker on their crests, and he half fancied that he saw amid the water white riders upon white horses with frothing manes. Yeah. Um, and then all the all the horses end up um, being swept away in the rushing flood. Yeah. And then Frodo like falls unconscious. Question. It's... Question for the gallery. Yeah. Um, do we name and count water horses? towards i think i think we do i think we count them as best we can um i 
do you have a count on that? Did you yeah? Get so it, it looked kind of to me like nine horses, which I thought was like a horse per. Oh, interesting. Rider. Yeah, but it's a um, little difficult to tell. Yeah, we can call it nine, and and I think we should name them as a as a unit as, as we did group. with the murder of um, horses. Yeah, and um, the baker's dozen. Yeah, so what are you thinking? We could give them certainly an elvish name that would be appropriate. Um, we also yeah, could they, call them. They are. What about something like the White Crest? Oh yeah, something with froth. Mm-hmm. We could go really friends there's at the table also, and, be, and call already... them like the frothing crest or something. There's also a. I mean, the phrase like riding the wave is already. Mm. That a, feels too like cowabunga-ish so to me. Okay, it it is it is sort of like a, a fun little parallel there though that we already like talk about waves as like with this riding term, mm-hmm. um, that is that is a horse thing. I want what it's it's an old question. I want... What do you name nine horses made out of rushing water? I want like the cresting. Oh, maybe the cresting herd. Oh, that's not bad. I like that. Okay, the cresting herd. Yeah. Great. And so that, in the books, it's Frodo loses consciousness. In the movie, Frodo also does, but that is after, like, Arwen sheds a single tear over him and and says, what what Grace has given to me, let it pass to him. And there's a very... Yeah. um, Well, he's already sort of lost consciousness, and then she does that. It's not even even there that he's fully lost consciousness. It's that he's like it's like he's becoming a wraith because he's doing that kind yeah. of weird panting thing and his eyes have gone all roomy yeah oh god it's so bad it's, it's bad it's bad to she look makes, at and listen to i know terrible sounds um so for that this section of the movie we're, we're kind of rounding it down to get a nice stopping point and that's at one hour and 24 minutes it's like it's like he is trying to make like baby pterodactyl noises and doing a bad job. For an audio visual medium, it sure was a choice, you know? Yeah. Yes. So that's that's where we end in the movies. It's followed immediately after. So the the thing we'll see next next time in which we will talk about then Elrond's is, is, face. It's so weird. <laughs> it's the first introduction to Elrond who's such a like majestic character and it's literally like a floating cutout of his fucking head talking overlaid on another scene. <sighs> it is. Speaking of that, I do have to say like mm-hmm. I I love Liv Tyler. I just saw her in another mm-hmm. movie, albeit one that was like made in the mid 90s when she was like playing a teenager. But I also like I and, and like, I like that she gets this, like, sword and horse scene, which is a major contrast to the way the movie treats her in general. I don't know. There is there is a level of hokiness in these movies that I did not remember. Um, and that, I don't know, I, f- I think it's really difficult to play a character who is not human, who is supposed to be sort of, like, otherworldly and weird. And it's just, I have a harder time, like, believing it Mm. now than I did when I was younger um and it just part of my brain just like wants to reject it when I'm watching like when Arwen first 
sort of sees Frodo and is like doing her like I don't know whatever yeah sort of chant that she does it just feels a little like I just want her to be like a more relatable like person yeah especially because she's like the only not man we have seen so far really in the series yeah yeah so it it is also um just as a behind the scenes thing worth I think mentioning really quickly um as like an acting thing which is that they essentially told Liv Tyler that she was not going to be able to do any of her own stunt writing, which is interesting. I understand the safety concerns there, but a a lot of the um, male actors did their own stunt writing with or without a lot of previous writing experience. But Ian McKellen did not, however. Yes. As we learned in his blog, oh my God, his which production we will blog, talk which about is a joy, and we will we will get to. Episode. Yeah, so she so she yeah. had a dedicated, and especially during that scene, which is not like okay, trot a horse along a lane, like that is a a serious. Right. It is like some, um, you know, a serious like choreographed action scene. So she had a dedicated stunt writer who did all of her writing for her, and who I think does a really does a really good job. And so then Liv Tyler is resigned to the thing that they do for simulating horse riding which is where they put you on kind of a horse-shaped barrel and you just kind of like bob back and forth which i think is really probably like she was talking about how like weird and uncomfortable it was like because you're trying to do something really you know like intense and serious and it's just so fundamentally fucking dorky like um so i think that probably contributes yeah i think it's it's hard like yeah it is it's difficult to to play those roles. I do want to say one more thing about about her yes, horse. Yes, and then it's time to do our horse. She count. rides it. Is that although I love that horse chase scene, there are moments when like Asphaloth's head is like really like reined in. Yeah. Like Arwen is um is keeping a really tight rein on him, which is like not great for like letting a horse fully gallop. They like they need sort of to have the freedom of their heads to be able to like put it in the right position to have all their muscles work together well and like all of that stuff and um I'm sure you know in that moment it is more about like making sure that your horse is sort of hitting the right marks and like pacing itself properly for the cameras but it is sort of weird to see, you know, a horse that it's is a, it's on to be, like, a, it's running on a as fast very as it can in this like, little moment that we're being on about. a on a very short yeah. rein. I think overall, it's a very it's an effective piece of cinema. Like it, it's still like I've seen that horse chase so many times, and it still is like tense and gets your your heart pounding, especially when they're like yeah. Back well, and, and you see and around the trees. Yes, and we go from. Five, so four riders and Bree to five wraiths on Weathertop attacking Frodo to nine riders by the time they get yeah, to the Yeah, yeah, and there's this incredible Like, you see scene. them adding on, and it's really, yeah, really Yeah, cool. you kind of see them, like, sliding into place behind them, and then there's an overhead shot of this white horse in the middle of a V of the other horses, yeah. like, right behind her. It, it's, a, it's a cool shot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's count. Let's count the horses. So we have five in Brie. Yes, right? we have the custard, cream, mouse, twilight, and who's that big bay? Yes, and then we have B- 
Bill. Yes, we have Bill because we're not counting the Prancing Pony sign. Right. We don't know that Bill's name is Bill yet, but it yes. is. Just just for our um, own record, so there's there's no um, no confusion. Right. We have we only counted uh what three of the nine previously. No, 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 no. we we've, counted we've all seen, of them because we had the them. shot of them riding out from Mortar. Yeah, yeah I forgot yeah. about that. So we don't count those because right. we've already seen yeah, them. Yeah, those are all repeats. Um, and then we have Askeloth. Yes, and then the Cresting Herd, who, I'm sorry, did we decide we wanted to count them or not? We are counting Okay, so them. that's nine, which brings us another for, to a grand nine. section total of 16, I think. Fifteen? Nine, one, that's Wait. ten. One, that's 11, 12 with the big bay, and then four. So I think 16. Which one am I forgetting? Um, the four of the, the four in the paddock, the carriage horse, Bill, Asphaloth, the crusting herd. Asphaloth. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So the section total is 16. Um, our section total last time was 32, which brings our running total to 48, right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Now you're the one doing math on screen. I know. Incredible. Incredible. So that's, I mean, given that we are still on disc one of the two disc set, that's a, that's a decent number of horses. I will take it. Do yeah. you have any, um. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. We're, you know, we're getting there. Do you have any um mm-hmm. like standout favorites for the ranking? Like who who sticks out in your mind as like top top winner today? Custard. Oh, custard? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Personally in this in this in this scene with beloved in this chunk with beloved repeat character Bill and the incredible horse chase, I think my favorite was the wooden horse sign. <laughs> No, custard. Custard um, is very cute. Look, yeah, I just find custard really cute, and like, I love Asphaloth, but he's not like relatable the way custard is, and <sighs> we'll get plenty more of Bill, so I can like save that. That's you fair. Know? I'm gonna, I am gonna say Asphaloth just because like that was like, I remember, That's, I yeah. remember watching that scene, like in the theaters when I was a child, and just feeling like, oh my god, and I, it also like. That scene was, like, in my head when the first time I, like, loped a horse through pine trees. Like, it's such an enduring image. Um, And also, I love dapples. What year did Fellowship of the Ring come out? Um, It came out in 2001, right? Or 2000. I don't know. Fellowship came out in 2001. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, it's 2001. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, so I was ten. Was I too young to see that movies we were, in theaters? We were both, that movie in theaters? We were both yeah, 10. maybe. I don't. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. I think I must have. Yeah. Um, my dad had read me the book, and then he was reading the Two Towers. He was halfway through Two Towers when the film came out, and I finished reading it that night <laughs> um, so I could see it the next yeah. day. And then he just read a little bit of Return of the King. He was, you know, fighting, like, chronic migraines and fatigue, so I had to take over. Yeah. But 
Oh, um, before we rewrite this yes. song, I just want to say that I had an IRL horse sighting <gasps> today. Oh my god. Or Add it to the list. Was it today? It was last night. Last night. I was driving through town to pick up some duck eggs. Sure. <laughs> um, from a local farm. Uh-huh. Like As I one do. does. Um, and there were two horses trail riding, um, in this kind of like open lot, uh, near the edge of town. And the one, I don't, I'm trying, I think it was like a chestnut, um, you know, fairly like good sized something. And then like definitely like an, an Arabian that was maybe a, like a blue roan. It was like it the hairs seemed more interspersed than just like a dapple um mm-hmm. but it was definitely kind of like grayish silver and white um and definitely had that like arabian like concave face the teacup nose and like more delicate build yeah, yeah. wow um i did yeah. not i have not seen any horses irl in a hot minute um but i do i guess i the 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 stirring horse visual i've seen recently is um a big group of protesters i think in south dallas um all mounted on a hill um coming out of protest today which is um cool to behold there's also a video going around and um of how to like safely stop a um a horse that is being used to threaten someone else yeah um, or i mean as safely as possible yeah yeah it, basically like an introduction to reins if you if you don't know how horses work but good information yeah. to have mm-hmm. and to share yes um unfortunately um horses are um co-opted by cops and race so the same yeah and race um what's the difference (laughs) really (laughs) um god so yeah we fulfilled several of our vows today we have taken you horse we've fulfilled half of them which is several half is several (laughs) we have taken you horse by horse through the books and the movies we have ranked our horses thus far we come yes we come at last I am sad to say to the portion of the podcast where we rewrite a a love ballad to be about horses. Yes. Um and um not all of it. Just just yeah, I this, promise I promise before this, you stop the podcast, it's not all of it. Just a stanza or two. Yeah, of this nine stanza song, we are not going to do all of them or even Maybe most just of one them. stanza. Um, okay, so this is the famous, this is the famous song of Baron and Luthien. Baron was a mortal man, um, as Aragorn says, but Luthien was the daughter of Thingol, which you, is the dumbest you, elf. It's so bad. It's so bad. Do you get it? Joey, do you get it? It's like, it's like Arwen and Clemenselves. Do you get it? Wow. I do. I do get it. Wow. And Aragorn does not shut up Oh my about god, it. I know. I mean... I mean, in the movie, he's very, he's very I would, I, So, movie. and I would actually say, this is interesting. Oh, oh, okay. Actually, two things, two things. So, the the song that he sings, that Viggo Mortensen sings in the movie, is, the, no one is a bigger Lord oh, of the Rings yes. fan than fucking Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen came up with the tune that he was singing himself and wanted to include it yep. for this poem. And also, mm-hmm. this is um, almost entire page in the text after the song is what I think of as the first real, like, Tolkien-ass, where, like, he does a song and then has literally 
it's like a single uninterrupted paragraph it is huge it's like almost an entire page explaining the background and the family genealogies of the characters in the ballad we just heard which there will be so much more of that to come he he is descended from those people like the last sentence of that paragraph is and of arendil came the kings of numenor that is westerness and that is like his right. but ancestors. It's, 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 it's notable because it is the first of a thing that he will do again and again and again. Okay, do you want to read us uh, an example stanza? I want to kind of look through this a second and see um, what's going to be the best for th- this idea we have. Um, I'm kind of thinking the, the third to last. Again, she fled. Yeah, I kind of want to do... We the, what if what if we can the, pick we can the, pick two stanzas can we, do, we can cherry pick two and string yeah. them together. Can we do the third stanza and the third to last? Wow, stanza? that's such a nice symmetry. Oh oh yes, we can. So let's let's so let's <laughs> read the original version. If you want to do the first one, I'll read the first stanza. I'll read the second. Yes, the we're doing the whole original thing, right? Oh, we can. Or are we just no? We're just doing yeah. those two. No, it's fine. I we we do, we not, do not have to do the whole thing. We don't thing. need to do the whole um, thing. We're two hours in. Just, no one needs it. I just want to. No, no, no. Um, the the basic story here is that like Tanuviel, this elf maiden, is dancing in a glen, and Baron sees her and falls in love, and sort of pursues her. And eventually they get together. And everything ends happily. (laughs) Don't worry about what happens after that. It's fine. Yeah, it's not tragic at all. Enchantment healed his weary feet that over hills were doomed to roam. And forth he hastened, strong and fleet, and grasped at moonbeams glistening. Through woven woods and elven home, she lightly fled on dancing feet and left him lonely still to roam in the silent forest listening. Uh, there's a bunch of other shit. And then... Again yep. she fled, but swift he came. Tanuviel, Tanuviel. He called her by her elvish name, and there she halted listening. One moment stood she and a spell, his voice laid on her, barren came, and doom fell on Tanuviel, that in his arms lay glistening. I will say I loved I loved I loved to glisten to... in someone's arms, you know? Mm-hmm. That third to last stanza is sort of weird cadence wise, and I think it it works, but you have to really force yeah. it. Which is one moment stood she and a spell, his voice laid on her barren came. Um, but that's not how those words. You give you want you, you give more grace to that meter than I do. Uh, look, I had some like strong iambic pentameter Shakespeare training in college, and it helps. Um, I. No, I'm saying this is Tolkien like set himself up with this meter and had to make it work and this is the stanza that it is the worst in. That's what I'm saying. Something that we can relate to as we prepare to rewrite this poetry. Yes. So, in our first episode we talked about some horses being in love. Yeah, that's that's apparently sometimes. the theme with now with horses. And so this song is now not about a human and an elf in love but about two two horses horses in two love. horses in love wow a story yeah. for the ages so okay so we have enchantment healed his weary that's folks. an easy fix like that's that's an easy fix uh that over hills were doomed to roam great oh and then okay here's where it has to change so this is a weird rhyme scheme because it's like 
it's it's a b a c b a b c yes <laughs> that's that's the rhyme um, it. pattern so because we have enchantment healed his weary hooves then we then when we get to and forth he hastens strong and fleet we need fleet to rhyme with hooves because it used to rhyme with feet um I don't know what the fuck um, rhymes if with. If we need to, we can massage this into his weary hoof instead of hooves, if that's easier to rhyme. Yeah. What what rhymes with... Hey, what rhymes with hooves? Hooves. Um. Hooves, hooves, hooves. <laughs> hey, what, hey, what rhymes with hooves? I mean, we might need a slant rhyme here, um, but hmm. that might still be difficult. Okay, what if, what if we did single... Hoof, and then we could hear me out. I'm I'm massaging this a little as he himself did. Uh-huh. So, if we swap out singular hoof for the plural hoof, like hooves, then we could also go with the hoof pronunciation, which is valid. And then from there get behoove, aloof, disapprove, reproof. Yeah. Well, we could also do hooves, not hooves. There. Behooves, I, yeah. Behooves. I mean, that there... works. We could do behooves. Oh, there's. Okay, we have we have moves and proves. Yeah, and I guess those are um, easier go tos than behooves, huh? Approves and behooves. Um, disproves, improves, removes, reproves. I'm gonna say in fourth he galloped. Oh yes, and fourth he galloped. Yes, I think we can even keep um, strong and fleet because I would use fleet to describe a horse. Well, no, 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 we can't because fleet is the word. Oh, it has that... to rhyme. Fuck. Yes. And forth, he hastened with strong moves. <laughs> Great. With strong... I love that. Joey, I love that. Keep it coming. Forth, he galloped with strong moves. Oh, yes. And forth, he galloped with strong moves. And grasped at moonbeams glistening. Horses can't um, grasp. And... Pod? Yeah. You know, that evokes, like, a majestic horse rearing before a... Yeah, like, and Lisa pawing Frank the shit, air. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In pod... Okay, and then and then we were talking about Luthien, Luthien Tenubiel. Through yes. woven woods and elven home, she lightly fled on dancing... See, again, we have feet, which should be hooves. hooves. But it's the same... It's the same... He rhymes feet with feet here. So, again, that is just hooves. She lightly fled on dancing hooves. Can we please change Elven home to Horsen home? Yes. Equine home? No, I like I like Horsen. Okay, Horsen home. Yes. And left she, him lonely still to she, roam. Are we sticking with hooves there? She lightly fled on... Yes. Dancing, dancing hooves. hooves. This is... Okay. And left him lonely still to roam. Look, I'm just making the same dumb rhyme that Tolkien does, which is to rhyme feet with feet. Okay, hear me out here. Hear me out here. Uh-huh. This is um dumb and doesn't actually do anything, but what if we changed both roams to roans for a horse pun? I mean, there it doesn't Oh, are you are you concerned about the integrity of this poem? It doesn't makes sense anymore like fine. the meaning <laughs> fine in silent force listening okay so that's one stanza done yeah okay that was not that hard like that was not that bad this 
Look, Tolkien was basically wrote this writing this song about horses in the first place. I think that's the Arth I think that's the like authorial intent, surely. Okay, again yeah. she fled, but swift he came to Nuviel to Nuviel. That feels fine. Yes, and then oh, I I yes, I have a great idea for this line. He whinnied out her elvish name. <laughs> this is we're committing a crime. <laughs> Look, I think this is the best work we've done yet. Out of two. Out of two. He no, her... I just mean in general in our lives. Oh, this is legacy <laughs> shit, huh? Yeah. And there she halted listening. Horses halt. Like, I'm telling you. There she woed listening. No, I think, I mean, I think halted is great. I'm just saying that it is already in the text. Yeah, you just gotta read that subtext. You gotta read between the lines. Yeah. I'm still gonna change it to okay. one because I want to. One moment stood she and a spell. His voice, his bray laid on her? His... His his neigh? His neigh. Oh, or his what, his one, voice neighed on her? One moment, God. One moment stood <laughs> she and a spell. His voice. I feel it feels bad to type these things out. I want you, like you just get to say them, but I am the one who has to commit them to something more permanent than 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 the disappearing air, and I I, I don't feel great. Uh -huh. Okay, and uh -huh. his voice laid on her. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. Not his voice. His neigh. Yes, or his his voice neighed on her. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it's up, her, that's up to Baron your Kane, discretion, but. And doom fell onto Nuviel. God, you know, that's the tragedy of horse-on-horse -horse love, is that all horses are mortal, you know? Yeah. To Nuviel, that, okay, what do we do with this last line? That in his arms, like, um, listening. I mean, the simple thing is to say, like, that on the ground, like, listening. yeah. Is it too much? Um, is it too much of a stretch to rhyme? I know it's not as good of a fit as listening to glistening, but what if we did like listening and wickering or something? Mm. You could also change listening. Listening, um, and there she halted, nickering, and doom fell on Tanuviel that in his arms lay wicker, or that on the ground lay wickering. You could do nickering and wickering. Great. Okay, in silent force, nickering that on the ground lay wickering. Yes. Okay, do you want to read this fucking monstrosity that we've created? Here, how about I take the yes. first stanza this time because it requires less um, intensive uh, Shakespearean Yes, I just have to actually pull up your... Where, where did Here, you type this? In the document. I'll just put it, I'll just drop it in the Discord chat. Okay. Enchantment healed his weary hooves that over hills were doomed to roam, and forth he galloped with strong moves and pawed at moonbeams glistening. Through woven woods and horse and home, she lightly led dancing hooves. That doesn't seem right. Joey, is that right? She lightly fled on ah. dancing hooves. <laughs> <laughs> so the transcription's not perfect. She lightly fled on dancing hooves. And left him lonely, still to roam. In silent forest, nickering. Oh, no, wait. Wait, what happened? You 
You s- What happened? You swapped some lines. Oh, God. In the silent forest, listening. That's supposed to say listening. And then, and then the second one the, is... And there she woed uh, nickering. nickering. There we go. Okay. Okay. Let's get let's get a clean read on that one. <laughs> she lightly, <laughs> hold on, fled on dancing hooks. This is, like, this is already such, like, word salad, and now it's become a telephone game. Uh-huh. Uh, enchantment healed his weary hooves that over hills were doomed to roam, and forth he galloped with strong moves and pawed at moonbeams glistening. Through woven woods and horse and home, she lightly fled on dancing hooves and left him lonely still to roam in silent forest listening. Again she fled, but swift he came. He whinnied out her elvish name. Um... Oh, sorry. Again she fled, but swift he came. To Nuviel, to Nuviel. He whinnied out her elvish name, and there she woed, nickering. One moment, one mo- (laughs) One One moment moment stood she. Yep. (laughs) One moment stood she, and a spell. His voice neighed on her, barren came, and doom fell on to Nuviel, that on the ground lay wickering. Great. Wow. Wow. We did it. We Baron and Luthien I don't know edition. That, I don't know that we did it, but we we did something. <laughs> we you know? did something. We did something. Wow, which brings us almost to the end. Um unfortunately we have had no submissions yet, so we cannot answer the call of Gondor. But if you have questions about horses in lord of the rings be that be it subjective opinion or or minutia in fact please submit them to us and i think that brings us to the end today okay so next week we will be reading chapters one through five of book two of the fellowship which is the sorry what's that first chapter called many meetings through the bridge of casa doom and it's gonna get spooky y'all Yes, and then whatever corresponding section of the movie. I mean, which is from like one hour and 24 minutes until whenever they finish in the Minds of Moria. I'm so excited to get to disc two of my DVD set. Yeah, shit's gonna get intense. Shit's gonna get intense. Moria is still terrifying. It Look, I have already been scared watching these this movie. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get scareder. I know, and you know what's even scarier? There's no what? horses in Moria. Shit, what are they going to do with I don't horses? Know. We'll have to listen and find out. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by us, Caitlin and Joey. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash shadowfaxpod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Glick at Nuru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are she, they, and you can follow me on Twitter at Chalo and Behold. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related LOTR questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Again, that is ShadowFacts, F-A-C-T-S. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all!